No one thinks that Biden is doing a good job on the border or the economy, and yet that's what they want to put forward. It's like if someone came into your house, threw a hammer through your TV, and then was like, hey, I'm working on it. I I've really fixed up the TV. I think it looks a lot better. And you'd be saying to them, well, it wasn't broken. Like you didn't need to throw the hammer through it and then you wouldn't need to fix it. Here's the reality. Facts don't care about feelings. They just don't. We are feeling the impact of the negative economy at the dinner table and really everywhere else. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We had a good time here. Thanks for supporting the show while you were driving or hanging out with friends. Uh, appreciate all of that. Uh, big, big show headed your way right now. Um, we've got a lot to break down, but obviously you saw in the news, Hamas has been releasing uh, a bunch of the hostages. It's interesting. The Irish prime minister called the Taoiseach actually said that this young girl was lost and now found. This girl was taken hostage. This is what's going on. They are trying to subvert reality and send another message. Hamas is releasing hostages, innocent civilians. They were taken. Israel's releasing on their behalf people who've committed crimes. Potentially will do more harm in the future. This is what this is coming down to. We're acting like somehow there's an equalness to this. There's not. Um, Anyway, so much to get into. In fact, new report out today says members of Congress, who as I reported, are coming back to Congress tomorrow back here in Washington, are actually leaving in record numbers. You got to wonder why. And well, they could get one shorter this week as well, because George Santos is probably going to face a motion to expel him. Only he would be the sixth member of Congress to be expelled, the sixth member, because this ethics report came out citing how bad he has done. Uh, all the bad that he's done, campaign finance reports show that he spent his money on Botox, the only fan site, um, and a lot of other personal things that are not permitted under the law, as you can imagine. So that vote could come up this weekend and add to the number of members of Congress that are leaving. They don't like the climate. They don't like what is happening. Um, but what I want to do today is start off by breaking down what happened over the weekend um, with the Biden administration, with the Biden campaign, where we are politically to reset ourselves, if you will. Thursday, obviously uh, a big day for the White House. They make these calls to the troops. Uh, Biden called into the Today Show. He talked to Al Roker, which he's now done, I guess, for the last couple of years, uh, where he gets a plug about how great he is and how amazing he is. Um, but when he was asked by Al Roker what he's thankful for, he talked about, or what he wants for the American people, he talked about unity, and then his campaign blows that all up putting up this guide to dealing with MAGA folks at the table. And the funny thing is, it's all full of lies. It was all full of things about the border, foreign policy, the economy, trying to claim that Trump wasn't right and that Biden was. It was ridiculous. So to break it all down, we've got a great panel to kick off the week. Seth Denson, he has a, a new column, The Right Side of Things. He's a contributor at Newsmax. We've got Grace Curley, the host of The Grace Curley Show. She's a columnist for the Boston Herald and a contributor at The Spectator. Let's bring him in and kick off this discussion. Great, Seth, thanks for being with us. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving. I trust you both had a great, great holiday. Uh, Seth, I'm proud as I uh, to, to see on Instagram, you putting up your decorations in the Denson household after Thanksgiving dinner is over. I just, I appreciate a man who understands the sequence and the the respect that each holiday in itself deserves. So, thank you for uh, for doing that. Uh, it's, it's a great American. There's an order to things, Sean. There is an order. 
Uh, and respect. that order comes in whatever order my wife tells me. They tell me. <laughs> I, I know that. I think I'd probably change my tune quick. Um, <laughs> I do want to stick on the topic of Thanksgiving, though. The thing that I thought was so funny is my kids love watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They have since they were kids. And President Biden calls in Al Roker for his uh, in-kind contribution from NBC every year. And in the process of this, Al's asking him what he wants and all that kind of stuff. And he talks about unity. Grace, the thing that was so funny is this continues to be this Biden thing. We want unity. I represent everyone. And then the actions don't match the words because moments after that, his campaign on Instagram puts out this guide um, to to uh, talk everything that is crazy about your MAGA family that might say at dinner that's just wrong. And I thought to myself, Okay, that's not exactly keeping with the unity theme when you're basically trying to call out other Americans on a day like that. Yeah, and this isn't the first time they've done this. I think when Ron Klain was still in the White House and there was all these claniacs running about, they posted a similar guide basically saying, like, this is how you can debunk the fake news from your relatives. Um, the relatives who seem to be uh, stable and able to recognize reality and maybe bought the items at the grocery store for Thanksgiving and know what's going on. I just I mean, I'm not a huge fan of talking politics at Thanksgiving, but if someone came with a list of, you know, wonderful reasons that I should love the Biden administration, I might have to check out and go back home because it's just it's ridiculous. And, and you really do have to be disconnected to what's going on to buy this stuff. And I think that's who they're going for. They're going for kids who sit on TikTok all day and just consume these things and regurgitate them. So they'll probably have good luck with, with that faction of their party, but everybody else is not, not gonna be focused on this. All right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICE, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's fourpatriots.com, includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code SPICER, forpatriots.com. You do not want to be without power in case something happens. You know, Seth, one of the things that I thought caught my eye that would be very fun to talk about it at a dinner table down there in Texas, where you are, is that they said the border was more secure under Trump and they were debunking this. And I'm thinking to myself, is that really where you want to go? Is that one of the highlights that like, with people screaming, scream, you know, just streaming over the border on a daily basis, the number of people that we've talked about that have been on the terrorist watch list, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's no one that denies this. Democratic mayors and governors are all saying that the border is unsecure and not, not uh, closed by any means. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm sitting at a dinner table down there in Texas, I, I would be, I, I think, lampooned for bringing that up using the talking points that they sent out.
Yeah, the uh, the the border door has securely been held open. Uh, yeah. And I think that is something that we listen, we, we've dealt with border issues in Texas my entire life. I got asked this recently about what is my take on the border? Listen, border has been part of every conversation we've ever had. I mean, I, I, from the time I was little, it's an essential component of our everyday life. But nonetheless, sitting here and hearing these talking points uh, around this secure border, it, it's laughable. Uh, and anybody that can walk down the street, not only in Texas, by the way, New York, right. uh, we'll, we'll see that it's, 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 it's just not true. At some point, if we keep being told uh, it's it's sunny outside, but there's pouring rain, we got to wake up and look outside and say, yes, we're not being told the truth. I just, Grace, the thing that I thought was interesting, and I'm going to go through a couple more of them, but the, the border one, I thought to myself, you, like I said, you have Democratic governors and, and mayors like Eric Adams saying that the border is not secure, that their liberal cities, their blue cities are being overrun, that they can't handle the crisis there. And yet this is the one talking point that they think is smart to go to a Thanksgiving dis dinner and fight about, that the border's secure. I mean, even the liberals haven't agreed with them on that. Yeah. And after seeing the response that Eric Adams is getting and the raids and the investigations, not saying it has anything to do with the fact that he's been pretty outspoken about the border. I don't think you're going to see a lot of other Democrat mayors coming forward and challenging the Biden administration. But something I was just thinking of when we're talking about this list I am fine if I'm with people at a social event, not talking politics. It's really, right. it's not the most interesting part of my life. However, if one of my cousins or someone showed up with this list, then it's kind of like, and I wonder if Seth would agree, then it's kind of like, okay, now I'll meet you at the table. Like you want to talk about it? You want to have your list? Let's go through the facts because then it's no holds bar. Then it's open for everybody to talk. I See, I agree. I, I was like, I don't, I don't want, I actually want a Thanksgiving where it's free from this. I don't, I, mean, I get a lot of relatives that think that somehow that because I'm there, that I'm going to answer all the questions that they had burning about mm -hmm. politics and Trump and whatever. But Seth, you're, you know, well-versed in the economy. This is one of their things. The economy was better during Trump. This is one of the things that they're debunking and it says wrong. Trump had the worst jobs record of any president since the depression. Well, number one, that's, because of COVID. And it's similarly the recovery right now. It's not like Biden's actually creating their jobs are coming back, but inflation was lower. Unemployment was lower. Gas prices were lower. And to your point about going to the grocery store, I thought to myself, anybody who's taken part in preparing Thanksgiving dinner sees this, whether they're driving to the grocery store and putting gas in their car, whether or not they've opened a bill and seen what their mortgage interest rates or their credit card interest rates have done. Uh, whether they're at the grocery store buying goods and services. And it says, just look at your Thanksgiving costs compared to last year. Gas prices cheaper, turkey cheaper. But do you see the sleight of hand, Seth Denson? Mm -hmm. Look at your Thanksgiving costs compared to last year. Well, who was president last year? Not Donald Trump, <laughs> Joe Biden. That was pretty cute. But the, I mean, to Grace's point, it's like, you want to bring that to me? You're, you're basically setting little Bobby off to go fight with this. Look at your prices from last year. All it takes is like a two-year-old to say, Joe Biden was president last year, not Donald Trump. Yeah, this is a disgusting looking stew, so much so that you would think a Democrat made it. Uh, I think we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But nonetheless, it, it is one of those things. It's funny. If you think about the fact that the, the talking point of the jobs, you mentioned the COVID. Well, 
all of the jobs that Biden is out there touting are rebound jobs anyway. Right. They're just the jobs that came back. Uh, and that, and that's part one. The other part of it is, is, is when we talk about, and I saw Karine Jean-Pierre out there talking about 4% lower cost for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that's after the 19% higher cost last year. Uh, and so as we start to think about what inflation has done, collectively, since Joe Biden took office, inflation is up a combined 20% overall. 20% overall, wages during the same time, 12%. That's an 8% variance there. Uh, and so it's it's pinpointing these topics that they think will be good. But here's the reality. Facts don't care about feelings. They just don't. Uh, and we are feeling the impact of the negative economy at the dinner table and really everywhere else. But that's the thing, Grace, is that like I, I, I looked at this thing and I thought to myself, okay, let's start with the divisiveness, which is where we started. Biden preaches unity. We need to get along. I'm the president for all people. And then he does things over and over again to divide us, to talk about the MAGA extremists, the Trump people, the, you know, everybody's gets put into their little camp. But then secondly, they send up these talking points. And one of them is Trump was going to take away social security and Medicare, uh, to, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I was in the room over and over again when we were talking about budgets and deficits. And the president would say, there's no way we're touching any of this stuff, the Medicare and the Social Security. There was never a proposal to do it. And I think to myself, from a tactical standpoint, the Biden team, the Biden campaign team has been getting killed on this whole idea of touting Bidenomics. I've said this for a long time. Elections really come down to two things, you know, personal security and economic security and their gut feelings. Either you feel safe or you don't, no one can convince you that with a government statistic, an economic say, you know, a security, that you either feel like your job and you have enough money in the bank or you don't, and no one can tell you that. It's a feeling that manifests itself through your experiences kind of living in the real world, that your car is, you know, can you afford it? Are you putting money away, whatever. And these guys are sending this out on Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking to myself, this is just stupid. It's a bad campaign tactic. Never mind the falsehoods and the stupidness of how they're approaching it. You're, you're reinforcing that this guy, like no one thinks that Biden is doing a good job on the border or the economy. And yet that's what they want to put forward. Yeah. And I love how you guys keep referencing how they keep talking about the improvements since last year when he was president, because I always make this comparison, but it still works. It's like if someone came into your house threw a hammer through your TV and then was like, hey, I'm working on it. I I've really fixed up the TV. I think it looks a lot better. And you'd be saying to them, well, it wasn't broken. Like you didn't need to throw the hammer through it and then you wouldn't need to fix it. And this is part of the problem. And what you're seeing now in both of these talking points and just the way that Biden and not just Biden, I mean, I heard over the weekend Trudeau saying it as well, but the fact that they keep focusing on mega MAGA policies and they keep focusing on Trump, it takes me back to 2020 where it was never about Joe Biden. It was never about his message. It was never about what he could accomplish. It was always his biggest, biggest Plus, as far as Democrats were concerned, is that he was not Donald Trump. Now we go into 2024, though, Sean, and he has a resume that people can look at. So now it's going to be a little trickier for them. It can't just be Trump bad, MAGA bad, all these things, fear mongering, because now people have three and a half, almost four years to look at and say, well, what have you done? You, you haven't really made things better for me. And in fact, when I look back to when Trump was president, Things were a little bit smoother then. So I don't know how long this talking point list of like mega MAGA stuff, I don't know if that's going to be as effective the second time around. All right, folks, you know, it seems like every time you see a doctor these days, the answer that they have is, is a pill, that they're on the big pharma bandwagon to just 
fix any ailment with another prescription, which is why I think millions and millions of people have turned to a Texas doctor who is looking for clean ways of getting us back to better health. Um, in fact, we've all heard probably about collagen and all of the medical and health benefits of collagen. Um, and we know that it's been scientifically proven to increase bone and muscle strength, soothe joint pain, minimize wrinkles and cellulite. So, I mean, people see that, but the thing is, like all products, not all collagen is created equal. And a recent study found that, check this out, 64% of collagen protein powders have tested positive for arsenic and lead. That's why everyone interested in using collagen should see these warnings and find a clean and safe, effective product, which is why this doctor in Texas created Native Path. Now, he has created a collagen that is actually clean. It actually does what it's supposed to do. And he's not just done one, but they've got two. They've got another one for the evening that helps you sleep, plus a variety of other health-related clean products. This one is magnesium. We've all heard the benefits of magnesium. The key is to be buying your products in a native way, in a way that is clean and healthy, that actually delivers the results that you think you were. And Native Path now has thousands of five-star reviews, over 4 million jars of these products sold. Look, Native Path has thousands of five-star reviews and over 4 million jars sold of a whole host of health-related products. Every order comes with their 365-day money-back guarantee. There's no risk to try it right now. You can go to Get nativepath.com slash Spicer, and you get 45% off while supplies last. Get nativepath.com slash Spicer. Yeah, and the thing that was funny, I mean, speaking of imagery and whatever, is you got all these Democrats putting out the images, Pete Buttigieg and others, about what they made for Thanksgiving and, and Tim Kaine. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> this isn't, again, why do you think sharing something that looks kind of gross is a good idea. And I, I look at this set that I'm like, I don't understand who's advising these people to put things out that reinforce everything that's negative. I mean, Democrats from the cities that they run are a disaster. Their policies are a disaster. And yet then they're posting stuff that immediately becomes a meme because it reinforces everything that people already think about them. Right. Well, listen, you have a transportation secretary whose nickname was Pothole Pete. Uh, he literally couldn't get transportation right in his own town. Uh, and so we make him transportation secretary uh, of the country. And I think that that just kind of goes back to this misguided idea that let's humanize uh, these politicians. I think that's been the, the playbook for them as, hey, you know, we're just like you. We're, we, we just care about America. and We want everybody to be, you know, harmonious. And look, we can screw up Thanksgiving dinner too. And all it did for me was remind me, yeah, you screw up the economy, you screw up security, you screwed up the border, and now you screwed up dinner. Glad I'm not there eating that. Uh, it looks like it was the after effect of dinner uh, was the pre-picture. But nonetheless, it is one of those things that you sit there and go, I don't know who's advising them from an optics perspective. Uh, I will say this to Grace's point, though. I, I, one thing that I am very cautious of, though, I agree, and I think we all three agree, that staying on topic is key. Republicans need to stay on topic, too. Uh, and, and they just need to keep hammering on the economy and security. That's it. That is the litmus. That is what I am going to be thinking out when, when I go in. But instead, we get kind of tossed into these sometimes various topics, too, and go down these rabbit holes as well, which we don't need to do. I, I agree. But the thing that's funny, I mean, staying on the topic of optics for a second, Grace Carley, I, I'm looking around and I'm like, Biden's walking around Nantucket. Um, trying to be a man of the people going out on Small Business Saturday buying a book. And Nantucket, of course, was this home that pre preached 
welcomeness to all of the illegal migrants until they showed up and said that they couldn't handle them, but they have no problem handling the barrage of people that travel with the White House and the press corps and everyone else. It's just, it, it, again, it reinforced this idea that you're running around Nantucket as if you're a man of the people talking about the economy, putting out posts, and people are going, I, I'm trying to figure out how to put gas in my car, pay for the tolls, pay for Thanksgiving dinner, buy gifts, et cetera. Yeah, there's a few things with the optics situation. Number one is I read last week that the Biden administration is starting to utilize operation. I think it's operation bubble wrap where they really don't want Joe to fall down. And I say this with complete seriousness. Nantucket is not the place to be if you don't want someone to fall down. There's cobblestone streets. He's walking around. This is a risky, risky spot to be, especially with someone like Joe Biden. You know Biden. what? I didn't even think no. about that. That's a really good point. I mean, they won't let him get up the the big stairs anymore. And yet you're right. That's probably not the safest streets to be walking around. I've taken a digger. I'm 31 years old. I've taken a digger in Nantucket before. The The second thing I'll say is optics wise, and, and Seth is 100% right. It's like the they're trying to humanize everybody and they do this every election cycle. And this was a real strength of Donald Trump that my dad brought up to me over the weekend. When Trump would go to these state fairs and stuff, and Sean, you know this, he wouldn't like put on the flannel shirt and take the chicken thigh and pretend to be like, oh, I'm a man of the people. He was Trump. He was like, I'm still wearing my suit. I'm still wearing my tie. I'm a, I'm a billionaire real estate tycoon. I'm not going to pretend to be your average Joe because I'm here for the weekend. But they do this every single time. Now, social media wise, I have no idea what they're doing. Last week, they put up a photo of Joe Biden's birthday cake. It looked like it was on fire. It looked like it was the, the opening to hell. It was just all of these flames going. Who is in charge of this? Who thinks this stuff is a good idea? I, I, You don't need to put everything on Twitter. This is a good message for everybody. You don't need to put everything on Instagram, everything on social media. Just focus on not trying not to burn the country down. Leave the birthday cake picks for somebody else. Actually, it wasn't the pick though. And Seth, I think it wasn't just the pick. And it was funny. I mean, everybody laughed at it and said, house on fire. Da, da, da. But he joked about <laughs> being 146 years old. And I, again, this gets back to, hey, what are you dumb dumbs doing? You're reinforcing every negative right. stereotype, concern, issue, meme that is against you. And instead of proving like, hey, I'm a, I mean, if I were him, maybe get out there and be like, hey, I played tennis this morning and showed that you were spry. I don't think he can, but you get my point is that show something that counters the narrative as opposed to ha ha ha, I'm really old. The house is on fire. Well, first of all, I do think now that Grace has said that and I hadn't thought about this, I bet Pete's pie was that cake post those candles, uh, you know, <laughs> burning it up and getting all, all, all messed up. But uh, no, you know, here's the, here's the thing. You got to lay, you got to lean into what your strengths really are. Right. So if it's Joe Biden, just eat the ice cream, sit in the chair, you know, ha hang out, but really focus on maybe, I don't know, the ceasefire and getting hostages back or uh, do something that people are going to go, okay, that was something we can be right. thankful for this that's, season. So that that's, you're putting your finger out. So Joe Biden keeps saying, I'm the guy, I'm not old, I'm experienced, right? Right. So show him working the phones. I spent Thanksgiving calling Netanyahu and other people in the Knesset or whatever, but like, look like you're the guy who has experience and connections as opposed to ha ha ha, I'm on fire. Right. I mean, Biden's strength in the election was hiding in the basement. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I mean, that, 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 that was his election strategy was hiding in the basement. Um, and and it, it was less about Joe. I mean, he, he, the, they were out there talking about he was a unifier. He's been in Senate for so many years. And, you know, he and Abe Lincoln worked together and, and you know, all the other things that they did. But 
The funny thing is that this morning, and I, I think it was this morning, but I was up late last night, so who knows? Uh, the word of the year, or whatever this is, is authentic. And this goes to what Seth is talking about, Grace Carley, which is that like they're trying to create a narrative that isn't who he is. It's not real. They're trying to make him this man of the people, this guy that's like, as opposed to just to, to, like I said, I think that if he had shown him doing something that fits in his narrative and says to people, yeah, he's old, but he's experienced, that would make sense. Or, but that there's a reason authentic is the word. It's because people want genuineness. They want authenticness and they're not getting it from Joe Biden. Yeah. And I think that happens in politics for pretty much everybody. You're, you're never, you're never really going to get anyone's authentic self. Everyone has an agenda they're trying to push. But to your point, Joe Biden has gotten away with kind of the biggest scam going as far as telling the American people and the media obviously are the ones backing him up that he is this kind grandfather who just cares and he's the empathizer in chief. And we've heard all of this. And the truth is, is that anybody who spent more than five minutes watching Joe Biden, listening to his interviews, reading about his history, um, you know that what he is, is he's a jerk. He's a jerk. He, he has a wicked temper. He has a glass jaw. He's not a nice person. And you know what? You could lean into that too. Like, as, but that's who you are. So maybe lean into that and be like, listen, I don't tolerate BS. I'm a little bit of a hard marker, but here's who I am. But instead for the past, however many years, they've been running with this narrative that he's this sweet old man who cares so much about everybody. Right. And he just doesn't. And also, even if he did, it's not doing us any good. You can care as much as you want. It doesn't make you a good president, but it's not who he is as a person. So that's just been one of the many lies we've been fed um, from the media. And from right. his administration. But to, but to flip this, right, I, I started to think the juxtaposition of this. Trump, after his Thanksgiving, flies to South Carolina for what they call the Palmetto Bowl, right? South Carolina versus Clemson. And shows up there, coat and tie, doesn't try to be the, you know, to Grace's point, Seth, he doesn't, he doesn't try to look like, oh, I'm going to be a football fan and put on a jersey and jeans. I don't think he owns jeans, actually. I think he just <laughs> wears a suit all the time uh, or golf clothes. And he looks like, you know, uh, the president. And he shows up there and does something that is very Trump. And I thought that's why he's who he is and Biden is who he is. Authenticity. Grace said it. That's that's the key. Authenticity. Uh, and that's authentically Trump. I mean, listen, nobody ever questions who Trump is. I, I, I don't know anybody who has ever said, I really wonder where Trump stands on something. I wonder if he's going to flip flop on this. I wonder. No, everybody knows exactly like it or not. He is who he is. And I think that's what listen in 2016. That's what people gravitated towards was finally somebody who is exactly who they were. Faults and all, uh, even if they wouldn't admit them. Right. They were just going to lean into who they were and let you make the call. That was Trump at the Clemson game. Uh, I think, listen, it, you know, him showing up. I, it, it, there was a sense of uh, kind of like, finally, somebody who's back on the scene, who is exactly who they are, who's not trying to get us to think uh, there's something that they're not. That was a welcome thing. And I think as we go further into this election cycle, that is going to continue to be the thing that people look at and go, yeah, authenticity. Just give me something real that I can look at and go, OK, I mean, I like it all, but I like that I know exactly what I'm getting. Grace, the thing that I thought was interesting is that I, I, when I watched Trump arrive and he's arriving with Henry McMaster, the current governor of South Carolina. I don't know if Lindsey Graham was with him or not, but I know he was part of the planning, I guess, or whatever of, of getting him there. But I thought it was the ultimate troll of Nikki Haley. 
right? I mean, this is her state where it's the third state that votes, uh, key early primary state, fourth state, I should say. Um, and yet here he is just literally going into her state. I, I, it was to me the ultimate troll of Nikki Haley as reports come out that she's on the ascent. Yeah, and I would just add to that it's the ultimate troll of Nikki Haley, but I don't know if it will be enough for her to actually, you know, kind of go at Donald Trump debate-wise or, you know, policy-wise. She seems, I don't know, Sean, if, if you'd agree with this, but she seems content running and just kind of supporting Trump. I thought the same thing with Vivek. It's like at a certain point in a race, if you really do want to win and you want to be president, you have to start drawing those parallels and showing people, this is why I'm better. This is why I'm different. This is why you should pick me. And nothing seems to be sparking that in Nikki Haley. She barely mentions Donald Trump, which I get because you don't want to ostracize his base and, and you need that base if you're ever actually going to make a go of it. But I don't know. I look at this sometimes and I think, do any of these people actually want to be president or are they just kind of positioning themselves to be in Trump's cabinet or to be Trump's VP? I just think I wonder if she'll see this and say, well, now I have to say something or, you know, if it will if it will spark anything, because Trump has no problem hitting everybody. Right. Um, but nobody seems to really want to hit him back right now. All right, folks, I want to tell you about a guy named Leo Grillo that I've gotten to know. Uh, he is the founder of Delta Rescue. And if you go to deltarescue.org, you can get to see some of the great work that Leo has done to provide the world's biggest sanctuary for abandoned dogs, cats, animals of all stripes. It is amazing what they do at Delta Rescue right now. Uh, this dog that he found at one time was in trouble and underway. Leo rescued that dog. It was a Doberman and named him Delta. You know why? Because that inspired Delta Rescue. It's unbelievable what they do over there. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. That's basically Leo's mission. And Delta Rescue relies solely on contributions from people like you and I to make it work. Talk to them about making this part of your estate plan. If you're an animal lover, you know this is where your legacy can match with theirs and they can help put together a tax saving plan. It's all on their website right now. So go to deltarescue.org, check out some of the great videos and the the estate planning tools that they have there on their site for you. Seth, I, I mean, I, I've actually thought that the strategy makes sense. I just don't know if the time, meaning I've said this before, that there's this sense that these candidates are just drafting, right? It's like if you watch the NASCAR race, the number two car just drafts on number one and hopes that something happens. And then I catapult myself into number one. I think the, the what, what Nikki Haley is hoping for is that she's drafting Trump long enough that everybody else drops out and she becomes the viable alternative if there's enough time for that to happen. I just don't see DeSantis dropping out before Iowa. That's not gonna happen. Vivek's got plenty of money, so he's not going anywhere. Christie's committed to New Hampshire. And so I, I just I think the problem is the scenario that Haley dreams of happening, where she drafts to the point that she becomes the alternative to Trump, won't ever exist because the other candidates, the other cars in the race, aren't getting out of the way for her. And that's kind of what I think is fundamentally her strategic problem. Well, I think it's a timing thing, right? I mean, you've got a lot to the point. I think the analogy is perfect, Sean, as a NASCAR fan. That's great. What you're doing, not, you're doing I, I actually couldn't tell you a single driver. I just oh, know what drafting wow. is. Come over on a Sunday. <laughs> we'll, we'll hang out and watch a race. It is actually a lot of fun, not just left turns. But all that to say, the, the reality is I think what Haley is trying to do and maybe some of these others, but she's really in the we'll call it the second pole position 
uh, if to keep to the NASCAR theme, is, is, is she's waiting for Trump to either make a mistake, which he's not bound to do, or a mistake done to him, something done to him that's going to mm-hmm. divert. Um, and, and what I'm saying, you've got a trial that's set to happen, what, three months before the election. You've got all this stuff that's out there. And maybe the strategy here isn't beat Trump. Because, by the way, you're not. The numbers show it. You're not going to take away his base. You're not going to beat him in the primary. In a split primary, he's going to win. But all the polling is showing that in a, in a national election, you could do well against Biden. So maybe it's just stay in that two spot. Hang tight. Don't alienate the base. And if something is to happen, if some way the Democrats get their way and keep Trump from being on the ballot or something happening, then you're right there to take the lead. So, Grace, I want to play a quick clip from this week on ABC yesterday. Jonathan Carl basically showing where the media is right now in Nikki Haley. Let me show you some headlines we saw this week about Nikki Haley. You can see it's almost like there was one assignment editor at all the uh, major <laughs> newspapers. You know, Nikki Haley consolidating the never Trump vote. Could Haley really beat Trump? Donors are daring to dream. Wall Street eyes Nikki Haley as a Trump spoiler. There you have it. I mean, he's reading the headlines, each one of them saying Nikki Haley's the person that everybody's piling onto. And he admits it. He says it's almost like there's a shared editor at each of these places. I, I think that just shows where the media is, right? Which is they're like a lot of these never Trumpers. They're trying to coalesce around the alternative. And I think he's he's right. He's kind of saying the quiet part out loud, as we say sometimes, admitting that the media is now trying to figure out how do we help do our job to propel Nikki Haley into the number two slot. Yeah. And one thing I've uh, thought about recently, because I always felt like a huge hypocrite when it comes to polls, because sometimes when I like polls, Sean, I'll be like, look at this poll. This shows this. We're doing well. And then when I don't like polls, I say, well, they're always wrong anyway. So who cares? And so I was thinking about this and I realized it's not even so much the polls that I care about. It's oftentimes this reaction. It's seeing how the media takes the poll and what it tells them, and then how they react. So what talking points go out after certain polls and and where they see that there's a possibility to make moves. And so in this case, I think that's what you're seeing. And it's, they they keep trying to make certain, um, certain politicians happen. And the truth is, is that you can't do that because the very people that you're trying to convince that Nikki Haley is the next person and she's the one, they don't listen to you. They don't listen to the serious people like Jonathan Carl and George Stephanopoulos. They don't care what they have to say and they don't trust them as far as they could throw them. Right. That's a poll that I believe is that the media is seen as so untrustworthy from all, basically all of Americans. So the people that they're trying to win over with these polls or trying to sway, they're not listening to them. They're not tuning in. So it doesn't really matter. But Seth, the thing that I think is interesting is that it sort of misses the point, right? So yes, let's, and I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but I mean, she's gone from like, say, 10 to 15. Okay, so she has gone up when DeSantis has gone down, Christie's sort of stagnant, if you will. And the the reality is, is that, okay, but you're still 30 points behind Trump in Iowa or New Hampshire, you're 40 points behind him nationally. So it's, it's, it's not like you're, you, you know, yes, technically, you're in second place. Uh, but you're, you know, to use our NASCAR example, but you're a couple laps behind. So you're not posing a threat to the number one. So it's sort of a very, it's misleading at best. Yeah, it, it is misleading. And by the way, I would also say all these people that are the, the media that's out there, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, if for, for any reason Trump was out of the picture, if she came number one, would immediately start attacking her. They would immediately start going after right. her, right? They don't want Nikki Haley. They just want her more than Trump now until then they go try to destroy her. But I think 
And listen, the, the greatest example we have to this is there is nobody, and I don't know of anybody in America that would want Kamala Harris to be president of the United States. But guess what? She's number two. And if something were to happen, number one, she's there. And I think that's where Nikki Haley is right now. Right now, she's number two. I think that those of us that look at the circle go, okay, well, I mean, it's, it's not Trump, but it is a number two. And if something were to happen to number one, she's there, whether she's 30, 40, 50, 60 points behind or not, she's number two right now. Yeah, but just to, since we're having this conversation, I just want to be clear with both of you because there was a New York Times story out over the weekend about potential VPs, and they put Nikki Haley in the top tier. And I just, I'll, I'll tell you this from my conversations in Trump world to my conversations in Haley world. She doesn't want to be his VP. He doesn't want her. I don't know why people think that that's a realistic thing. I mean, do you guys disagree with that at all, Grace Curley? See, I can't imagine that Nikki Haley wouldn't take it. Like I, I just, really? from everything I've seen of her, I just, I think she really wants and I don't mean this as an insult. I think she really wants power. And as much as being VP, you might say, eh, it's not she, as much she, power as she you want. Quit, she quit when she was UN ambassador. You think that she wants to do this after being called bird brain and like posting photos of like whatever's left in front of her hotel room? I mean, suddenly she's like, my, I keep saying this, she's seen the Mike Pence movie. Do you really think she couldn't, she didn't want to stay as UN ambassador and you think she wants to be VP? Here's what I'll say, Sean. I don't know. I can't get into Nikki Haley's head. I can't figure out what she wants. What I will say about Trump is I don't think that's as crazy of an idea that Trump would take her really? on as VP. And here's why. And Sean, you know this. Trump can hate somebody. He can talk so much smack, bird brain, this, that, whatever. And then like that, he will switch. And he'll all of a sudden be like, hey, you know, let bygones be bygones. And I always say this about Trump because people will always say, oh, you know, he's racist. He's this, he's that. They try to like look really deep into what, what his decision making is. And I always say to people, I'm like, I think it's really simple. I think if you're nice to Trump, he's nice to you. And if you're mean to Trump, he's mean to you. And so when people will tell me, oh, well, he's never going to look at this person because they said this. I'm like, don't be so sure. He's like the Kardashians. Once once he forgives you, you can always come back. Um, and, and I just I think there's a chance that if he thinks it's good for his polls or if he thinks because let's keep in mind as much as, yeah, she's in second place and we can all laugh at it and say she has no chance. Trump has the base. The percentages that are for DeSantis and Haley and, and all these other people, Trump needs those. When they when they yes. decide their candidate's not going to win, he needs to grab those. He needs to get those under his tent. And so if she's the way he's going to do that, I don't think he would count it out. Okay, so, so Seth, I agree with most of what Grace said. I think that he's <laughs> transactional. He get, You're nice to him. He's nice to you. That's the easiest thing in the world. You saw that during COVID with... Gavin Newsom and others, they'd praise him for his job that he was doing on recovery. Andrew, I mean, Andrew Cuomo in New York, he would take care of them. He gets it. He's very transactional that way. I just don't think like Nikki Haley has said too much. So A, I've always, it's a concentric circle. He has to want you. You have to want him. I don't see either side of this, neither side. She doesn't want to go through with this. She doesn't want to have to stand there and defend tweets and true social posts and comments and the policies, she bailed on being UN secretary, right? So that's, that's it. And on his end, he thinks that she betrayed him by running against him. He thinks that she was bad. Some of the comments that she made after she left the administration, he thinks that she's been bad on some of the comments about him. I just, 
And I agree that he can forgive a lot. There's a difference between forgiveness and bringing you back into the fold. We've seen this over and over again and making you your vice president in a second term in which you would be the heir apparent to the Trump legacy. I'm just, I can't, that's a bridge I just can't get over. Yeah, and, and you know you, you know him better than anybody, Sean. So maybe maybe that's right. But I do know this, if, going back to the wait, core. Wait, 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 hold on. But do you, just tell me, do you think, Grace made a compelling argument. Do you think that what she said holds true or that, because I can't, I can't fathom it. I get I, it I, on I a think, lot of people for a lot of things. Not Nikki Haley, not for VP though. I see a road. I see a really? road to it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, listen, I see a road. Listen, I would have never thought that Ted Cruz and, and Arm would lock Arm and Arm. Lindsey Graham, who was out there running against him, saying everything. That's the point. You know, you're, see, here's what I'm getting at. They're, they're, they have aligned themselves to say, hey, if I want to get things done, and this is Grace's point, which I agree with, I want to get things done. I need to say nice things about him. He's therefore going to do nice things for me. I get that. He didn't make Ted Cruz his VP. He didn't make Lindsey Graham his VP. I think that there is a, that's why I'm saying that's a bridge too far. Everything that Grace said, her analysis is spot on as far as you want to be my friend, I'll be your friend. You say nice things, I'll do nice things. I got that. Being you, the you VP. not think, though, Sean, that the, the ultimate power grab is to say, yeah, you said all those things. You're now my number two. Like, I, I am still number one. And now you're in my fold and you're going to go out there and say nice things about me. But and that's now my I point, though, is that she, Nikki Haley, knows that. And she doesn't want that. That's why I keep saying it's a two-sided coin. But where like, does she go from here? That's the problem. Like, she wants to say, listen, Nikki Haley wants to be the first female president of the United States. Yes. He absolutely does. If for some reason she doesn't win, where does she go to stay relevant? So, Tim Scott, so here's my thing. Again, this is obviously a lot of bank shots off the off of the table here. But I think Tim Scott wants to run for governor. He steps down. She runs for that seat. She goes in. She runs. She keeps herself active uh, and then runs in 2028. I mean, look, I get it. That's not perfect. And I don't disagree with you. She wants to be the first female president. No question about it. But I don't think being Trump's vice president gets you there. That's my point. Uh, and that's a fair point. Uh, you, the, the key, though, <laughs> would be to stay relevant. And that's what she's going to have to I do. I agree with that. And if she feels like that's a better path than being a senator from South Carolina, I think she takes it. I think her aspirations are are to be there. And if she thinks that's the better route to get there, then... Absolutely. I think she there's a path where she would take it. Is it the probable path? Probably not, but it is a path. Okay. So Grace, you still you think that she would take it if offered it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do. I, don't, I, I think these I think people, especially these politicians, yeah. I think they just want they want in. They want to be at the White House. They want to be, yeah. So I think she yeah. would. Yeah. I will okay. say this though, Sean. I, I will yeah. say this. Her in the number two slot going into the general is much better than someone like a Carrie Lake, someone who is just a, a party alive. The, the Democrats, the media are going to have a field day with that. They're going to stay on that MAGA com component. At least Nikki Haley does bring that international experience and everything we've got going on internationally. I, I think she would be a better pick if I was making a political uh, recommendation oh, listen, I, I get that. She, she's a minority. She's been a governor. She checks the box day one. Are you ready? But I just don't see the personality clash uh, resolving itself. And I agree with I think as much Carrie, you can like Carrie Lake all you want. But I think the, the with Trump and Biden both having an age issue that's in the back of people's mind, having a VP that has never held office. And I'm not saying that you have to be uh 
held office. So that doesn't make you the be all and end all, but she hasn't held like she hasn't been the CEO of something. She was a TV newscaster. And I think going into the dangerous world that we live in, you don't want a vice president who you can't point to. Uh, I mean, frankly, that's the problem that that Biden has with Harris. She right. she didn't offer anything. She's not ready day one. And I don't think Trump wants to create another problem. He wants somebody that he can say they were a governor, they were a senator, and they're ready day one. Uh, Grace Curley, Seth Denson, uh, who I respect for his light protocol, uh, among <laughs> many other things. Thank you both for being here with this. This has been a, a fun and enjoyable conversation to start the, the post-Thanksgiving uh, week off. Congress comes back in the session tomorrow. We've got a lot to break down. Thank you guys for kicking off your week with us here on the Sean Spicer Show. I appreciate it. Remember, you can always text me uh, to tell me what is on your mind. 571-441-4991. Remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Go to YouTube, Rumble, sign up, subscribe, hit that notification button. We got a great show headed your way. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show.